Welcome to the Catalyst Church Podcast. We're here up in Humboldt County, California. We're glad you're with us. We hope that you're blessed and that you find peace and grace in the Word of God today. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning. We're back. Uh, we're back to tag teaming. The team is back together yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> no, we uh, we're trying to find a different rhythm. You know, where where uh, there's times when Bethany teaches and we do it together, and then times when I teach. Um, but it's really special when we get to do it this way. I feel like uh, God brings something different between the two of us. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. So this week we are we're kind of officially starting our our Advent series, Bethany. Um, gave a, a bit of background last week, and we'll get into that in just a minute, but we're going to be looking at the first chapter of John, mm-hmm. uh, the Gospel of John, and it'll take us uh, about through Christmas, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to look at the first five verses today, and they're probably pretty familiar, um, but we, we kind of think there's always a freshness and something new that we see every time we come to the text. Yeah. Um, and uh, so what I'd like to do is I'm going to start, I just want to ask you, honey, if you could bring us up to speed a little bit about, uh, you kind of gave a really good snapshot of, of John writing the gospel last week, and I'm wondering if you could maybe bring us, up, bring us into that story a bit for those of us who may have missed or kind of forgot. Yeah, if you didn't watch last week's video, I encourage you to find it on, the, on last week's YouTube, um, and you'll be able to kind of hear a little bit more about the story, this imaginative reading that I did with the Gospel of John, or not with the Gospel itself, but with John's life, Mm. from what we see in history, uh, what has been written out about him, and then into, um, even into like, what, how his interactions with Jesus was, and what that would have meant for people. But John was uh, somebody who had grown up in uh, first century Palestine, and he mm-hmm. uh, he lived with his brother John. They were chosen to be disciples of Jesus, which was an incredibly high calling to be chosen. My dog is in here making a ruckus, of course, so <laughs> hopefully she doesn't bother you too much. Uh, but but John and James were chosen by Jesus to be disciples, to walk with Jesus, to mirror Jesus, to become what Jesus was. That was mm-hmm. the the calling of a of a disciple with a rabbi. And John really, you know, from the very beginning of the calling of John, which is, this is something that I, that I find very interesting is, is how John and James were called very similarly as uh, Peter and um, Andrew were. So mm-hmm. Peter and Andrew are brothers and James and John are, are brothers. They're both fishermen. They're both with their dads. They're both doing the, the family trade. None of them made it into this discipleship sort of a space. And they're, and they're both called, all, all four of them are called by Jesus to follow him. And the way that it happens, I thought was really interesting because when Jesus called Peter to follow him, what you see is Peter is casting this wide net into the, into the Sea of Galilee and he's, he's fishing at that time. And you see this consistency throughout Peter's life after Christ has died and then resurrected from the dead. So so how Peter perpetuates the ministry of Jesus in the world is a very like wide net sort of ministry. He's a he's an evangelist. He speaks boldly for the gospel. He sure. he brings many people into this new church community because yep. that's what mm-hmm. is natural for him to speak bold an evangelist. Hmm. But what we see with John is John is somebody, when Jesus calls him, we hear that John is mending nets. So he's on the shore. He, maybe they were done fishing for the day. But it shows that he's 
being very intentional with these nets that he's mending. And, it, and looking at the course of John's life after Jesus' death and resurrection and John being a part of this ministry, you see John being very specific or intentional with mending relationships. Mm, Everyone knows John as the apostle of love. Yeah. His entire message again and again is that we are to love one another as, as Christ has loved us. That is his message. And you see like these very intentional one-on-one relationships of what it looks like to mend the things that have been broken within us and around us. Yeah, that's good. You know, I really like, um, I like the picture you just gave between both of them because it it highlights the uniqueness. Like the the writers did not have to include John was mending nets, but he did. Yeah. Um, And that highlights a special uh, skill and a special, um, almost a patience for someone who can do that kind of, at least that kind of trade and also would show that they could do that kind of um, sort of relational work as well. And I think it just highlights kind of the uniqueness that God has placed in each of us and all of it is important. Yeah, absolutely. And together we make this fuller picture of what yeah. Jesus has called us to be as absolutely. as the body of Christ. And and so, you know, if I, I don't know if John read the stories of him in the other gospels about him mending nets and like the, the consistency of sure. character, but... The beautiful thing is that there were three other gospel accounts written of Jesus' life before John ever wrote his. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew is was written to a very specific audience of a Jewish audience. You see this consistency throughout the gospel of Matthew of Jesus being like the new Moses. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of language that's used throughout Matthew. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark is written to a primarily Roman audience. You kind of get the sense of like, the power of Jesus, the might of Jesus. Um, Even though Jesus is portrayed as a servant, there is this sense of power with all the the miracles and that sort of thing. Right, right. Um, And and casting out demons. Mm -hmm. Not once in John's gospel do we read about a demon being cast out. No. Or any parables either. Right, Uh, right. but then, and then Luke was written to a Greek audience and that is, Luke was a physician. And so you can see like the sense of, the, this, the Greeks were highly analytical. Mm-hmm. They they wanted to speak through everything. They were very much, they wanted to, to see the beauty of it in all things. And so you see the details in Luke's gospel that's written to a Greek audience. And Luke also wrote Acts. That's right. That's right. And you can read all about like who John was in Acts yeah. even. Um, and then, so then John's gospel is really written to everyone. And I think that that is the message of love. That love isn't for a specific time or place or people. The God of love is beyond time and place and people and extends beyond mm-hmm. all of those places and spaces. So the John's entire gospel is like soaked in the love of God mm-hmm. through Jesus Christ. It is for the person who has had major trauma in their life and a person who has had no trauma in their life. It is for the ones who have who have are, are the most basic thinker and the most educated person. Mm-hmm. Um, it is for the curious and it is for the seeker. It is for all people. So that is what John's gospel is really soaked in the beauty of God's love. And you see that in like the most famous verse in the whole ever anywhere. For God so loved the world. For, sorry, for God so loved the world. That's right. John three sixteen. Yeah. 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 Well, what we're going to do is, um, so thanks for the intro. I yeah. think uh, what we're going to do is we're going to just, I mean, we're going to read it and let's read it in your translation. Okay. Um, and then we're going to just walk you through some of the kind of some highlights that we found in this passage. Um, but what I want you to think about as Bethany's reading it uh, is this. So 
for John to write this, it was bold. Mm -hmm. For John to write what he wrote required that he was listening and that he was paying attention because he knew he was tasked with bearing witness to that love and not just saying it as a cliche, but, but really bearing witness. Um, and he really, I think, had to listen to the spirit to, to know what exactly to write. Cause this isn't just, I mean, this is beyond poetry. Um, this is John, we're hearing John paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why it's so profound for us because it, it's almost, there's a mystery in it, but it's a, it's a, that it just, uh, bears so much truth to the, yeah. to the love that Jesus has for this world and the uniqueness, uh, of, of Christ in this world and what, what God thought about, we're going to see here, uh, before the before. So do you want to read, sure. um, So John 1, 1 to 5 is what we'll be reading. And John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it or overcome it yeah so you want to um so should we let's let's talk about in the beginning okay um like what do you like what that would have meant yeah well not just what it would meant but what does it mean yeah well for the reader um that john would have been that would john would have like really been having in mind when he wrote this Mm. they would have been immediately catapulted to those first letters of the Hebrew Bible where Genesis. where uh, Moses wrote in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth uh, so for John to begin his gospel account with these words it was like an invitation for the reader to see that they've known Jesus all along mm-hmm. like that that the the people of Israel that they've been reading about Jesus and and preaching about Jesus the entire time not recognizing who Jesus was necessarily, but since the time of Moses. And, you know, we read about in Psalm 98, if you ever get a chance to go there, we read about how the sea resounds and the rivers clap their hands and the mountains sing for joy. And it just shows this this continuation of, um, of God's purposes in the world through Christ all along, that, that, that everything, the word of God, the and, and the, the sea and the mountains, everything is making known the glory of God in the world. That it, it it points to like this this word that was spoken out over over creation and into creation. It continues to make this beautiful noise that points to the love that goes beyond love that goes beyond love. Mm. It's like this extension, this eternal love. And so, if if we read in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was this sense that. Um, you know, if we read the, those parts, it talks about the chaos that was happening there. Yep. This sense of uncertainty. We read about the spirit hovering over the waters of the of creation and, and this sense of God breathing mm-hmm. out, speaking out uh, peace and shalom over all things. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about shalom a lot. Shalom means like wholeness, completeness. It means that all things are right and all things are good and and all things are the way that God intended them to be, the fullness of God. 
So we go from in the beginning was, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth to in the, the beginning, beginning was the word. the word. So it's like, you know, when I think about it, it's like we've got, we've got the beginning and in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And that brings us to where we are today. In the beginning, the start, God created. But John is saying in the beginning was the word. Before this part that we are in was the word God that this Jesus has existed from the very beginning our understanding of time and space is not necessarily limited to God's understanding of time and space so that's so good but the word was before all things were made yeah and 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 I think um, one of the things that you and I have talked about a few times is the the connection that John makes with that Trinitarian language yeah so he's highlighting something here that it's the before the before so yeah a time before time a time before time and so he's saying god father son and spirit all sort of existed before that and you might say like yeah yeah we know this we've been down there but no 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 like see it in a, in a new way see it right. um like you're not just hearing it for the first time, but what it means for you today. So do you want to talk for a minute just about, I kind of gave that example of the Rublev picture. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's important for us to, to understand, for John to write these words and for John to make these, these this uh, proclamation, essentially, that Jesus is not just, uh, didn't just become the Christ at his baptism, but it was the fullness of God that was God in flesh. For John to say this, would have been terrifying for people because that was something that was never understood before, this sense of the relational aspect of God. And when we see in the beginning that word Elohim is actually plural. In the beginning, God, Elohim, God, uh, that is a plural word. It actually speaks to more than one, but one, this this fullness of one. Um, and so Father, Son, Spirit, that's, I mean, this is not something that was, that we, it's something that we take lightly because it feels like just part of our, our doctrine, sure. it's part of our understanding, it's part of yeah. our tradition on how we read the Bible. Uh, and we can't imagine reading the Bible outside of the Trinitarian perspective in many ways. But for, but for like the early church, for hundreds of years, this was like a dividing factor. People were killed for their, uh, and martyred for their understanding, their view, their, or their misunderstandings and misviews of the Trinity, of this Father, Son, Spirit. So, um, for us to be able just to, to talk about it like, yeah, it's no big deal. That, that's a huge privilege. People died to get this out there in the way that we understand it today. Um, because disagreements cause fractions and cause fear and cause people having mm. to push away and step away from those conversations. And the best way to step away oftentimes is to silence that voice. Um, and so it's a, it's a sad part of our of our history in the church, I think. but. Anyway, all that to say, I think we should come at the Trinity with a sense of, of awe and reverence and recognizing the work that is done by our, by our spiritual, the spiritual saints of the past. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> so when it comes to the Trinity, then, um, we talk about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yeah. And what John's saying here is he's sort of saying that the, those things that existed before um, those three entities, there's, there's, an, there was an opening that God made that we would be a part of it as well. 
Yeah, so this relational aspect, and I'm not going to do justice on trying to give a theological understanding of the Trinity. No, you too. Um, I've, I've heard basic basic examples of it, like, um, and this sounds really silly, so I get it if you're like, oh, don't share this one, but like an egg, you've got the, the shell, and you've got the white, and you've got the yolk, and they're all the egg. Together, they make an egg, and but each part is still the egg. They can't exist without the other. So that's like the idea of the Trinity, like in the most basic uh, Yeah, so form. I, and I think of it maybe more like, um, so I think, uh, let's talk about the Shea family. Okay. Okay, so there's you and I, uh-huh. and we've got this relationship together. Yeah. And we decide um, we are going to adopt. Mm-hmm. And so we, bro- we open ourselves more to, the, to another person. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that person is part of the Shea family. The Shea family, um, but that per- without that person, we're not the Shea family. Yeah. But before that person existed, we were the Shea family. Yes. That's yeah. a little, I don't know. I don't know about that because then you've got like the. I mean the 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 point of the Trinity is that they're all they're all separate um, individual parts of the same whole, so. God is one. That Shema, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That is absolutely true. Um, but the Father is not the Son, and, and not the Son. The Son is not the, the Spirit. Not the Spirit, Spirit is not the Father. But they are all one. They are all one. So there's like that the, the thing that you were talking about, the picture of um, of this divine sort of dance where all three parts of the Trinity mm. are interacting with and celebrating and, mm. and loving and caring and are fully complete in of themselves together, um, sharing with each other. And I think we'll put the picture up here so you can see it, but there's a sense of shared intimacy and shared experience. And within this this picture that we'll put up here, um, the, the author or the, the artist who made this picture, there's a spot in the middle that that people believe because this is ancient it's very ancient this this uh painting um but people believe that there was a mirror in the middle which is to see ourselves in the as a reflection of the trinity so we've been invited into this divine dance that has existed from a time before time and uh this sort of loving all encompassing presence this completeness wholeness all those things we've been invited into that as individuals but then as the church we get to celebrate it even more um fully so this is what john is inviting us into yes i know and that's a lot of theology all over there i, I well, get it's it, kind but... of all over the you know so much of this is um there's a there's a great mystery in this that's right and that's what that's makes right. it quite beautiful is that it's kind of hard for anyone to explain yeah um but yet we all everyone tries to bear witness to it in their way yeah and and yeah. i think that's what john's doing like there there's a you know sort of a mysteriousness to the way he he's writing this that almost doesn't make sense but it does yeah at the same time the before the before i mean that's like big stuff yeah um, no doubt no doubt like it's a it's something that i was writing was that there's been this eternal energy this mm-hmm. divine movement and relationship has always been even before we've ever known what before is um this like the shalom has existed in a time before time and into the now and so jesus is the embodiment 
of that shalom where all things are complete and all things are whole and all things are good. And we see that in the workings of Jesus throughout his ministry. Um, and what I love about John's wording here is how, how he uses that word, word, which is logos, um, which is an utterance. It's, it's spoken out. Um, and really like, so this is an, this is an, a good example. Like for me to be known, for you to know me or for Jason to know me, I have to speak out what is inside me. Like you can study me, you could observe me, you could watch the way I do things and you can make all sorts of assumptions about who I am based on the things I do. But only I know me fully within myself, no matter how hard he tries and no matter how, how much he's like theologically theologizing me. I know I'm not a God, but I don't theologize her. No, it's good. But no matter what he's doing, if I don't actually speak out what is true about me inside, then you will never fully know me. Hmm. And, and I think that that's what God is doing here. God is, is allowing God's self to be fully known through his word, through the word of God, through, through Jesus Christ. Jesus is making what is internal become external. It, Jesus takes the the thoughts and the character and the, and and the and the nature of God and takes it out of the the trinitarian part of God and into the world so that way we can understand God a little bit more mm-hmm. by how we see Jesus Christ. So everything Jesus did was to reveal the Father. It was to reveal the nature of this divine energy, this this um this mysterious beautiful uh god that we serve and that we love that created all things that breathed all of life into existence that believes that we are fearfully and wonderfully made that like actually knows our name and knows how many hairs we have on our head and and knows what our fingerprint looks like because god has been involved in every single aspect of every part of our lives Mm -hmm. jesus makes god known and then we get to just live in that and it's it's amazing so do you want to do you want to end there? You want to should we go a little deeper? No, I want to go a little bit deeper okay, because so. there's a reason that we started with this that that we decided to go with First John for the next number of weeks because we wanted to do something for Advent, and 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 you're like, okay, well, Advent doesn't start till December. Yeah, we know, and we still have a couple weeks till then. Uh, but but the thing is, is Advent is anticipating the light. Like that, like Advent is kind of sitting in the darkness a little bit, intentionally sitting in the darkness. And every Sunday we light another candle on that Advent wreath, coming like anticipating the birth of Christ when light has entered into the world and has made known the beauty of what light is with Jesus Christ. And so we sit in the darkness anticipating the light. But you guys, you know what I'm seeing around inside myself and within other people? is right now we're kind of hunkering down anticipating the darkness. Like summer is over, we're into the fall, and we, we're coming up to Thanksgiving. We don't know if we get to see family. We don't know if we get to see friends and what's safe during the global pandemic and how are we gonna even gather and what are we gonna do for Christmas Eve service and all these different things. And, we, and we're seeing this sense of like darkness is coming. Like we're, we're preparing to hunker down. We're preparing to isolate. We're preparing to like, maybe we need to stick, get a lot more ice cream and a lot more blankets and a lot more Netflix shows or whatever it is. We're preparing for the worst. And what I believe that Jesus wants us to see is to prepare for light. Mm-hmm. 
in the darkness, to see a new way, to, to, to uncover a new perspective in the world. And that is what light does. Light actually makes it so we can see what we hadn't seen for a while. It uncovers what has been there all along. It helps us see where we're gonna get tripped up, or we're gonna make a mistake, or we're gonna fall, or we're gonna end up getting injured in some way, or harming ourselves or harming other people. Light allows us to see what we couldn't see before. That's good. And the smallest amount of light mm -hmm. shines forth. It can't be hidden. You can't hide light. And sometimes it's just a flicker, right? Sometimes and it's just, just a flicker. And it's enough just to see the step in front of us. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. But it's there. Yeah. And, and so the, the, the beautiful thing about the Gospel of John, which I don't think we're going to go through the whole Gospel or anything. We're just sitting in the first chapter. Um, but the beautiful thing about it is that John wants to reveal light. And that light looks like love. And that love looks like life. Light and life, love, it all comes together. It says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. You cannot overcome light. And I know that for a lot of people, there's this sense of feeling like the darkness is overwhelming us. Yeah. So we had a brief discussion as well about... Um, kind of the time leading up to John's gospel mm -hmm. and what exists, what was happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you highlighted some really important things that I, and maybe I can share a couple of them and then you yeah. can speak to them. But, yeah. um, you know, so there was the, the, the crucifixion, yeah. the resurrection. Um, there was the fall of the temple in 70 AD. Mm -hmm. Um, essentially people, the Jewish people have sort of lost their land. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there was. They were dispersed throughout the area. The the, um, yeah, the Jews and Christians were being crucified, and uh, the Colosseums that were that were actually built to like have the most beautiful people be showcased in in a Hellenistic sort of a society. Rome overtook those Colosseums and made them into places where they could watch people get torn apart by lions and. And where people would have to fight each other to the death, and um, and and Christians were being thrown into these spaces as a way to celebrate uh, the death of these people that were following an, an a god that was not Caesar. It wasn't it wasn't the emperor, and so they had to be stopped. And so th this was like. For John to write this, in the beginning was the word that light shines in the darkness. He is he is writing this to people who are literally eating shoe leather because they are starving to death. Their children are dying. In, in one of the, oh gosh, you'll know if I'm wrong here and you can tell me, but there there's a, I think it was in Acts or maybe, maybe in Revelation, I can't remember, but there's like a a story of a, of a mother having to eat her child or it may have been Josephus who wrote it but like this this is a time where the worst darkness had overtaken everything in the world and John has the audacity to write to a people who have zero hope left from from everybody else's perspective from anybody looking at their life and saying listen a light has come and the darkness cannot overcome it 
John has the audacity to write this because he knows that no matter what the circumstances are in the world, no matter how bleak it seems, no matter how much people are starving, no matter how hopeless it seems, there is an internal hope that nothing can take away from, that external circumstances cannot remove that hope. They cannot remove that light. They cannot remove the truth of God's love for us, regardless of what's happening around us, that death is not the final the, the final word in our lives, that, that suffering has no victory, that, that death has no sting, because we know that this eternal Christ that who has existed before the beginning, whatever the beginning was, and has existed all the way through and exists within us today as Christ followers, we know that that light is something that overcomes, that, that overcomes all darkness, and the darkness has no, no strength compared to that light. We're talking about <laughs> should we end there yeah probably yeah that's good yeah. that's good i wanted well, to say um so like really quick here the stories that john writes about like he writes about the woman at the well he writes about that woman who's caught in adultery he writes about the blind man who is able to see and he and he writes about um all these different experiences that jesus has with people that that dark situations dark situations where Jesus breathes truth back into their lives mm. of, how, of how good he sees them, how beautiful they are, and how worthy they are of love. John's whole thing was, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy of love. So what Jesus does here is, is you see that almost every story that Jesus interacted with people, Jesus was wanting to bring new perspective. Not that they are unworthy, not that they are not loved, but that they are loved. That's a new perspective that we get to walk with in that light. Jesus wanted them to see a new way of seeing the world, and that light gives a new way to see the world. A, a new uncovering of a time before a time, a peace, a shalom that has always existed, a new way to interact with and maneuver throughout the world in the midst of darkness that will never win. So the stories that John writes are to reveal a new way of seeing things in the midst of uncomprehensible suffering. Church, may you know that you are welcomed into the eternal light that God has offered through, the G through Jesus Christ. Yeah. May you take that light, may you carry it, May you look for it. If you don't see it, may mm. the covers be removed mm. so that you could just get a glimpse of it. May you see it in other people. And church, if you are someone who is carrying that light real strong right now, bear witness. Yeah. Share it. Yeah. Peace in the darkest and grace. places. Peace and grace to you all. Peace and grace.